Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today. And Jim, let's start with our good martini. And it's not too often that we're heaping praise on mainstream media for holding a liberal's feet to the fire. And actually, liberal might be too kind of a term to describe Rashida Tlaib, progressive, leftist, radical. Uh, Anyway, uh, she uh, is a congresswoman from Michigan, sadly. But uh, she is also uh, raising a lot of eyebrows today because uh, Jonathan Swan of Axios uh, interviewed her. And one of the things that Axios is uh, promoting on social media is how he pressed her about uh, legislation that she is sponsoring known as the Breathe Act, which would empty federal prisons, all federal prisons within a decade. So Jonathan Swan thinks that's a tad extreme of a position to hold in terms of uh, letting every federal inmate out of prison. Uh, So here is an extended clip from their conversation. And uh, she tries to dodge, but eventually she admits that, yeah, that's exactly what she wants to do. In 2020, you endorsed uh, the Breathe Act, which is a series of proposals to transform America's criminal justice system Mm -hmm and create, quote, a roadmap for prison abolition. The Breathe Act proposes emptying federal detention facilities within 10 years. To what extent have you wrestled with any potential downsides of releasing into society every single person who's currently in a federal prison? Yeah, again, I think that everyone's like, oh my God, we're going to just release everybody. That's not what what Yeah, but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now? No, I know, but the act that you endorsed actually says release everyone. But in ten years, but think about it: who are releasing? But there are like human traffickers. Oh, I know. Child sex. So, but you're saying, do you mean that you don't actually support that? No, you you endorsed the bill. No, I endorsed the Breathe Act and looking at federal the policies and how we incarcerate. Absolutely. But it says in there. But you cannot. You cannot. You cannot just blankly say, oh, look, she wants... That's not what I'm... But that's like in plain text. But what I'm saying is look at who's in prison now. No, look at the folks that are mentally ill, that have substance abuse problems. But I'm not disagreeing with you that there are people who shouldn't be in prison. Yeah, but then why aren't you asking me about them? You're asking me about the human traffickers and others that should be able to be held accountable. No, I'm trying to understand. What I'm trying to understand is your proposal is so sweeping. It does does release everyone. And the deeper you go into this interview, Jim, she seems to either really think or she's trying to make us believe that a massive percentage of the prison population is only there because they're mentally ill, not because they're truly dangerous people. And I'm not saying there aren't mentally ill people in prison. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's plenty of them, in fact. But the idea that most of these people aren't there because they're truly a danger to society uh, does not pass the smell test for me. So uh, what do you make of uh, Swan's work here and Talib as well? The first thing is, Greg, I, amongst the mainstream media folks, I think Jonathan Swan is one of the better ones. I think every time he goes into one of those big televised interviews for Axios, he goes into it wanting to make news, wanting to get the person he's interviewing to say something that is significant, that's going to be consequential, it's going to make people sit up and take notice. And I think he has a pretty good record at that. And this is a really good example because it basically calls out a progressive on the actual consequences of their policies. And you saw the wiggling, you saw the attempt to, to you know, get off the hook to, to kind of say, oh, it wouldn't really do that. And you both notice how often you find lawmakers, you see it on both sides, but I think it's particularly um, vivid amongst uh, uh, folks on the progressive persuasion where they'll say, 
look, we're not really saying we want to abolish immigration enforcement. And then, of course, inevitably, some liberal columnists will say, oh, yes, no, we, no, literally, we want to abolish immigration enforcement. Or we're not really saying defund the police or abolish the police. And then some of the progressives will say, no, no, we really do mean to say abolish the police. Well, in this case, you know, the, the argument of, well, these people are, are you know, mentally ill, I, as, you, as you point out, yes, I'm sure certain of them are. Being mentally ill does not guarantee that you're not a threat to others. There, there is an overlap in that Venn diagram. And uh, the goal very much would be to, to sort through. And if, they, if you really are not that much of a threat to others, or if you have the, the right combination of therapy and medication and things like that can keep you mentally well balanced and not to the point where your mental challenges and problems are going to make you a threat to others. Great. I think almost everybody would support that. Nobody wants to see someone in prison who doesn't need to be in prison and who could go out and live a happy, productive life, or, you, know, you know, obeying the laws and not being a threat to others. The problem is these things are hard to tell. And we just had this very vivid example in Wisconsin of what happens when you let somebody out in this case, on cash bail, it wasn't a mental health issue, but this guy had a, a rap sheet a mile long, including not so long ago, running over someone with a car, which is, you know, a kind of glaring uh, a thing you might want to say, oh, maybe this person is dangerous. Maybe this person has a great deal of anger issues and malevolence in their heart and this tendency to you know, lash out in a rage in a way that is very dangerous to other people. And unfortunately, the prosecutors and the judge were all fine. Oh, no, a thousand bucks bail. That's fine. This guy's not going to get in trouble again. And of course, many people have paid with their lives and with their uh, ruined holiday season, serious injuries, and things like that. Um, look, I, I think in the end, the, the more outspoken you are in politics and the more, I'm going to say the word flamboyant in your policy proposals, but, you know, the more outlandish, the more... The more simplistic your policy proposals are, it's because you're not actually looking at the details and not really looking at the consequences of what enacting those policies is going to be. You want the headline, you want the bill signing ceremony, you don't really worry that much about what happens afterwards. And unfortunately, very often the wrong, you know, bad policies create bad consequences. But uh, hey, you know, I guess when you're a member of the squad, you don't have to worry about things like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the good news here is Swan doing his job. Uh, the other good news here uh, in, an, in an ancillary story here is the fact that these left wing prosecutors are finally feeling the heat. You've got this guy, John Chisholm in Milwaukee, saying, oh, we have to do a full investigation of how a violent criminal that we already knew was violent got out on a thousand dollars bail. Yeah, my guess is if you do a little more digging, you're going to find out he's not the only one. It's also a reminder of the, the guy out in San Francisco, Chesa Budin, who decided that, you know, it's not really worth our time to prosecute shoplifters. So basically there's this shoplifting crime wave that that's going on and on and on. But they finally knocked off a Louis Vuitton in the suburbs. And all of a sudden the prosecutor is like, whoa, whoa. Oh, you can bet we're going to crack down. Now you've gone too far. <laughs> And uh, by the way, just as we're having this whole discussion of the very low bail amount for uh, the suspect Brooks in uh, in Waukesha yesterday, AOC thought that was a good day to push for more lenient bail across the board because it's uh, unfair to people who can't afford that bail. So, you know, political instincts, timing and all. Good work there, AOC. It's going to say, are we absolutely certain she's not a deep cover effort? <laughs> she's not a deep cover agent for our side? Really? You sure? You sure? Oh, she's not a sponsor of the Breathe Act, though. I think she thought the emptying all federal inmates was maybe just a bridge too far. Uh, so maybe she does have a shred of, of rational thought left, but maybe it's just a shred. That was the good martini, actually. So it only gets worse from here, folks. But uh, some good uh, news on top of that is is that you know if if you're worried about where the economy's headed, the value of uh, all the dollars you've invested, you know the price of silver has increased 340 percent. 
cents since the year 2000. It continues trending higher. Gold keeps rising as well. So gold and silver might be uh, a smart investment here as we go through some of this economic turmoil. And if that's an area that you're interested in investing in, Universal Coin and Bullion is the best place to do it. Universal Coin and Bullion is offering our listeners a special locked-in price of just $30 for a beautiful one-ounce 2021 American Silver Eagle coin, which just happens to be the most popular coin in the world for collectors and investors. Now, this limited offer is available at dealer's cost because Universal Coin wants you to own the first newly designed silver bullion coin since President Reagan signed the Gold Bullion Act back in 1985. Call Universal Coin, leaders in the precious metals industry, at 1-800-UCB-GOLD to get your beautiful U.S. Mint silver coin for just $30. Postage is free, and you'll be dealing with the experts. We've gotten our silver coins now. You can tell that they're they're solid. They have good weight to them. They're the genuine article. And you can trust Dr. Mike Fulgens and his team at Universal Coin and Bullion. He's been recognized as America's gold expert. He's the 2021 uh, Coin Dealer of the Year. Uh, UCB also has those rare gold coins you may be interested in. But this special silver deal is only available using our code Martini. So call 800-UCB-GOLD. That's 800-UCB-GOLD. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini now. And a weak and desperate-looking President Biden today has decided that his answer to soaring gas prices is to tap the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. He's going to announce today a five-nation effort to release millions of barrels held by governments, usually for emergency situations, not just uh, you know because the prices are up. There's maybe a, a supply chain break, which is, you know, also an issue right now. But usually, you know, pipelines have been compromised. They won't be back up for a few days, things like that. So he's going to release 50 million barrels, which is roughly 8% of our strategic petroleum reserve. He thinks this is going to drive prices down considerably, especially for the holiday season, maybe ease uh, pocketbooks a little bit. But as Ed Morrissey points out over at Hot Air, 50 million barrels a day isn't much. It's like spitting in the ocean, as he puts it. He says, even at our low point last year when we weren't doing much, we were still consuming 18 million barrels a day. So let's let's say that's bumped up now to about 25. That's two days worth of oil. And he believes that ultimately that's actually going to lead to price increases uh, because people realize that once this little jolt to the system in terms of supply is gone, then the prices are going to jack right back up. So uh, Jim, it's a lot easier to uh, make a commitment to increasing production like we've seen in in the years before uh, the Biden administration decided to uh, kneecap our own domestic production. Uh, but instead, he's going to do this little gimmick here that isn't going to actually accomplish much. So, Greg, my initial reaction to this had been, uh, here he goes again. This is window dressing. This is a purely symbolic act. Biden just wants to look like he's doing something because people are really frustrated about gas prices and this isn't going to have that much. Obama did it before. I think Bush may have done it towards the tail end of his uh, second term. Usually what happens is the administration, you know, releases from the uh, strategic petroleum reserve. And if the prices end up going down like six months later, you can refill it at a lower price and it ends up being not that harmful in the long run, even if it really doesn't have that much of an impact on gas prices, either in the short or medium term. But I saw a comment from Dan Foster, a former colleague at National Review. I guess he still writes for the magazine every now and then. And he's um, uh, he, he made the point that, like, look, there's been a lot of unconcerning rumblings about Russia starting to amass troops in the, in the direction of Ukraine. And the theory that or the, you know, the rumor that the concern that uh, Russia wants to invade Ukraine comes spring. 
I don't know if that's true or not, but apparently U.S. intelligence is telling that to other European countries saying, hey, this looks like it might be real. The obviously we've seen, you know, China making its, you know, saber rattling regarding Taiwan. God knows if that's ever going to happen or whether they might try to make a, a, you know, movement towards one of those smaller islands or whether, you know, we just don't know. So look, you know, international conflict, it could always happen. It could always not happen. But this does seem like a particularly, you know, risky time to be, you know, letting stuff out of the uh, strategic petroleum reserve because the possibility of a disruption to oil supplies when we already have this giant supply chain issue going all, all around the world and you already have OPEC restricting uh, uh, production. Well, now all of a sudden, this looks like it might be a really bad time. But as much as we don't like the, the situation with oil prices now, there's a good chance that it's actually going to go up considerably higher. And in fact, if you listen to, you know, the analysts at places like I think Bank of America and might have been Goldman Sachs, might have been one of the other ones. You know, Wall Street is expecting gas prices to go up even higher. Will this move mitigate it? I guess maybe. But man, if there's if we let out a strategic petroleum reserve and don't have our traditional six month supply like we usually do, and then some foreign crisis occurs, and all of a sudden the you know uh, the free movement of oil around the world becomes even more constricted, then you're really going to wish you had even more, and then we could really be up a certain creek without a, pow- a paddle. But hey. Greg, it's not like the Biden administration would take a short-term movement to help the headlines without really considering the, the long-term far-reaching <laughs> ramifications, right? That doesn't sound like them. Never, never, never. No, it's 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 ridiculous because on the one hand, they can't even get their messaging straight. You got Biden wanting the FTC to investigate oil companies for the prices going up. He also is groveling at the boots of OPEC trying to get them to increase supply. Uh, and meanwhile, you've got Jennifer Granholm, the energy secretary out there saying, look, we're in an energy transition situation right now. So we've got a little bit of a supply challenge, but we're going to make this pivot. And Jen Psaki a couple of weeks ago, I think we talked about this, where she's like, look, these rising prices, this is just further evidence that we've got to move away from fossil fuels. Well, we didn't have this problem when he came into office. It's because they're uh, they're crippling supply. Uh, Jen Psaki with her other line of the Keystone Pipeline was only 8% built. So this isn't a, a factor in the price. Well, of course it is, because investors are looking at the future, not where we are right now. These people don't know what they're doing, except for the fact that they're trying to get us off of fossil fuels and they know that there's going to be pain and they're trying to explain it in a variety of different ways instead of what's really happening. This is part of the strategy. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, pick one. <laughs> Either you think you know oil prices should be cheap and, and you're worried about this effect on the economy, which you should be. I think that's, that's generally the three martini lunch podcast position. Or you're like, no, no, but actually the higher gas prices are good because they require people to use less, they emit less pollution, and they put pressure on people to buy electric cars and stuff like that. You can have one of those two policies. You can't. You can say, no, no, we shouldn't be taking these fossil fuels out of the ground. We're going to make it harder to drill here in the United States. We're going to make it hard to be fracking. We're going to cut off public lands, blah, blah, blah. You can do that. But you can't then turn around and say, OPEC, please drill more and create more oil for us. Pick one. But they never really want to. Crippling production is never a good idea if you want energy prices to be low. All right. Speaking of things you want to be low, how about interest rates on your student loan debt? Well, if that's still a priority for you, then Earnest is definitely a place you can look for help. Federal student loan payments are on hold right now, but with rates this low, now is a good time to refinance. Want to take a road trip? Well, that's going to factor in gas prices then. Uh, Maybe a new couch, a savings account. If you could save on your student loans, what would you do with that extra money? Ernest was voted the best student loan refinancing overall by NerdWallet. And Ernest has some of the lowest rates, most flexible payments, and an in-house team that is ready to help you. With Ernest, you could change your interest rate or get a lower monthly payment, and you never have to pay fees, not even late fees. 
By refinancing, you can reduce your loan terms, save money, or combine multiple loans into a simple monthly payment. And if you have questions, you can even talk to a real live human being in earnest for help. So when you pay less interest, you can put that money towards your goals. And with Ernest, it only takes two minutes to see what your new rate could be, and there's no credit impact. Right now, Ernest is offering Three Martini Lunch listeners a $100 cash bonus. Refinance your student debt at earnest.com slash martini. It is not available in all states. Remember, you can get a $100 cash bonus when you visit earnest.com slash martini to refinance your student loan. And here's a little extra legal for you. Earnest Student Loan Refinancing made by Earnest Operations, LLC, and MLS number 1204917, California Financing Law, License Number 6054788, 535 Mission Street, San Francisco, California, 94105. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licenses. All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now. Let's talk about the thing that perhaps drives us crazier than just about anything else in politics. The grifters, the people who really don't have much in the way of fixed principles, they just have a nose for where the money could be, and then they try to exploit that uh, from people who consider themselves true believers, and it happens on both sides of the aisle. We're going to take these one at a time, but it's kind of a double-fisted crazy martini. First, over to CNN, as they're looking at the Lincoln Project, probably our least favorite grifters on the planet, although part two is going to be very, very close. Uh, the Lincoln Project, of course, is uh, these ex-Republican uh, consultants uh, ultimately weren't very successful. When Trump became the GOP nominee, they saw their their cash cow drying up, so they became uh, liberal sympathizers, and now they're fleecing Democrats of their money. So there is a little bit of a silver lining on that. But now their plan for 2024 is to make Trump the Republican nominee. So you can really tell that, uh, you know, him being close to power again is really what has them uh, concerned. This is from CNN. Next week, Palm Beach televisions, perhaps including those in Mar-a-Lago, will once again air a commercial by the Lincoln Project intended to remind Trump that DeSantis, meaning the governor there, Ron DeSantis, is the new GOP it guy. Rick Wilson, one of the ex-Republicans behind the Lincoln Project, is hoping to provoke a very specific reaction from Trump. Quote, we want Trump to kill his own babies, Wilson said. Quote, we believe if we narrow the field and it's only Trump in 2024, it's an easy choice for Americans to say no. Which brings me back to my old conclusion, Jim. These guys actually love Trump. They want him in the headlines all the time, and they're willing to put him within one vote of the presidency to fleece Democratic pockets again, because if he's not, their whole operation becomes pretty close to pointless. So they're willing uh, to put this existential threat within one election day of the presidency because they're so, so concerned about him. As this podcast voice of you know, frequent Trump criticism. I am uh, didn't vote for him either time. I have a long list of objections to the man. He's got a lot of problems, but, you know, pretty far from thrilled that Biden is running the show. But I don't particularly want Donald Trump to run again. I particularly don't want him to run again if he's going to be obsessing about 2020 with stolen and all that kind of stuff. If you see Trump as the devil, which was more or less the messaging of the uh, Lincoln Project. In fact, if I remember correctly, Steve Schmidt believed that the fly landing on Mike Pence's head during the vice presidential debate, he was on MSNBC and insisting this was a sign that Mike Pence was the devil. Now, let me observe, if Mike Pence is the devil and Donald Trump is the devil and every other Republican is the devil, at some point people stop believing you that, or they start saying, well, I guess I'm for the devil. I guess, I, I guess the devil's not that bad because it just so happens that the devil agrees with me and all these sorts of issues. Um, you'd think the Lincoln Project would be like, ah, Trump is, you know, we want to make sure, we would do everything we possibly can to make sure Trump doesn't run. 
We do not want you. Know, we see you if you want to. If your argument allegedly from the beginning was that Trump was a unique threat to American democracy, that he was a unique threat to the constitutional order, then you can't turn around and say, "Oh yes, and Ron DeSantis is just as bad." Oh yes, and uh, every other Republican running is just no, no. It doesn't work that way because at that point, it, it, all that means is just you hate Republicans. And that's fine. The world has plenty of people who hate Republicans and there's nothing special about you. And there's nothing really unsurprising that this quote unquote former Republican strategist, I mean, I wonder how many years there should be some sort of statute of limitations where you can no longer be referred to as a former Republican strategist or conservative writer, Jen Rubin or or something like that. Um, But in this case, like the Lincoln Project should be happy Trump's out of office. They should be doing everything they can to make sure he doesn't run again. Because as we learned in 2016, if Trump runs, there's a chance Trump wins. The way Biden's going, the way Kamala Harris is going, you probably wouldn't want to just dismiss the possibility of Donald Trump winning the presidency back. But instead, they're like, no, no, we got to make sure he's the nominee, which obviously will do a lot of good for the Lincoln Project. And here's the thing, you know, and this is, I guess, the heart of this. And this ties into our second grifter here. Like, I suppose the Lincoln Project guys, well, this way, they may not have won a lot of races, but they got well paid for all those races (laughs) that they managed or in some cases mismanaged. Steve Schmidt had the the HBO movie in which Woody Harrelson played him made about his life. That had to get him some money in his pocket. Like this, these guys, they got their MSNBC gigs. I think a bunch of them have written uh, written books. They've all got their um, campaigns that they've worked on. They, they, they're all financially doing fine, but they wanted the house in Aspen. They wanted the beach house. They wanted, they wanted even, okay, fine. I mean, these are all reasonably educated, accomplished guys. You'd think... Do you want to make a living and make really good living in a way that you think makes the country a worse place to live? I hope most people would look at that and say, mm, I don't want to. Hey, folks, look, me, uh, life has been good to me. It's been generous. I don't want to look like I'm you know, uh, out of touch here. But you know, there are a lot of ways to make money in this world. There are a lot of legal ways to make money in this world. You don't, if, you, if you're doing something that deep down you know is hurting people or you know is making something worse or is... You know, if you're having the opposite effect that you claim to intend it to, i.e., I don't want Donald Trump to be in power again, ergo, I'm going to run ads that are going to try to goad him into running for office again so that I have him to run against. I mean, like that was the, the Hillary Clinton campaign was completely convinced Donald Trump was going to be the easiest guy to beat. And she didn't beat him. <laughs> Learn from her example. Recognize that maybe your assessment of all this isn't going to go right. If you think something is bad, say it's bad. If you think something is good, say it's good. But don't do this double reverse, reverse psychology, bank shot sort of thing that's going to work out where Trump runs again, you get to run a whole bunch of ads against him, and Lincoln Project is even more lucrative in 2024 than it was in 2020. In the end, they don't have any principles. I'm surprised that Democrats keep donating to them. I suppose I should be glad that otherwise that money could go to someplace that actually knows what it's doing. But I just kind of feel like they're just turned into, like, the irony is, is they've turned into this toxic influence in American political life which is exactly what they said they wanted to stop with Donald Trump. All right, but we promised a double-fisted crazy martini here. The grifter on the right that has perhaps caused the most damage this year, Lynn Wood. You know, when he was the attorney for Nick Sandman in the Covington Catholic uh, situation with uh, the Lincoln Memorial and that whole mess a few years ago, he got Nick Sandman a pretty good settlement from CNN and some other a couple other places. But then, of course, he just randomly popped up with a MAGA hat, even though he's a lifelong Democrat in Georgia, talking about how the election was stolen, telling people literally not to vote for David Perdue and Kelly Leffler in the runoff. 
And I'm not saying he's the only reason that they didn't uh, win those runoff races, but they were very close. And so he was probably a factor uh, in Republicans not controlling the U.S. Senate right now, which, as we have uh, explained many times this year, quite consequential. Well, it turns out that's not the only grift that uh, Linwood was perpetrating. Kyle Rittenhouse originally hired Linwood as his attorney. The fact that he's now a free man is probably because Linwood did not stay as his attorney. During his uh, conversation with Tucker Carlson on the Fox News channel, Kyle Rittenhouse explaining how Linwood and another attorney named John Pierce basically used him and told him that staying in jail instead of uh, going back to home being with his family was actually better for him. Check this out. Linwood was raising money on my behalf and... He held me in jail for 87 days, disrespected my wishes, put me on media interviews, which I should never have done, which he said, oh, you're going to go talk to the Washington Post, which was not a good idea. Along with John Pierce, they said I was safer in jail instead of at home with my family. And then after I'm billed... Your lawyer said that. My lawyer said that. John Pierce and Lynn Wood. 87 days of not being with my family for defending myself and being taken advantage to being used for a cause by these by John Pearson Lynn Wood trying to solicit not solicit trying to raise money so they can take it for their own benefit not trying to set me free. Jim going into yesterday I didn't think I could have a lower opinion of Lynn Wood but you know each day is a new surprise. A couple of weeks ago Lynn Wood was at some event and he just starts ranting. And, this, and Lynn Wood has had all kinds of just, you know, all, utterly insane conspiracy theories that John Roberts was involved with QAnon. And that's why there was pressure on the court to rule. I just, you know, off the wall stuff. And Lynn Wood was just kind of rolling at some sort of event. It might have been around the 20 year anniversary of 9-11. And he basically then just blurted out, you know, something along the lines of 9-11 was an inside job. So then he turns out, in addition to being an election truther, he's an old-fashioned truther. And the idea of somebody who believes that, that there was a vast conspiracy that allowed, either allowed the 9-11 att- attacks to happen or that uh, made it look like bin Laden do it, that was done by the U.S. government in order to justify the invasion of Afghanistan, yada, yada, yada. And apparently this was too far for the crowd. You just heard this awkward silence and, and it did not get this roar of applause from this you know, very traditional, or very Republican crowd, uh, but, you know, probably a very Trumpy crowd, but that was a bridge too far. They did not buy into that. It got a certain amount of reaction. I kind of raised the, kind of raised the question with me, Greg, at what point do we in the news media, and by we, I mean other people, because I don't really write about Glenn Wood that often. Uh, he, he did run for chairman of the South Carolina State Republican Party, lost by a pretty wide margin. There was quite a bit of coverage of Lynn Wood of like, you know, notorious conspiracy, the- conspiracy theorist Lynn Wood is on the verge of taking over the South Carolina Republican Party, demonstrating that all Republicans are as crazy as he is. But that wasn't what happened at all. He'd moved to the state like 10 minutes earlier. And, uh, you know, was because he'd been active in the Georgia races and acted by the Georgia resident. He, he lost by a pretty thorough margin. South Carolina Republicans were pretty darn pleased with how they performed in the 2020 elections. They didn't see any change. We need to let some kooky, you know, conspiracy theory lawyer take over. But I guess the question is, at some point, does Lynn Wood saying something crazy stop being news? And when does it stop being worth us covering and making us, uh, and I suppose you could say, oh, Jim, why are you and Greg talking about it here? But it's like, okay, so here's another example of how Lynn Wood, who had used his sudden fame on, on, the, on the circles of conservatism and on the right and in the Trump world to step into this role as Rittenhouse's potential lawyer. And Rittenhouse, you know, to his great wisdom, 
recognize that this, well, this guy's bad news. He's not going to give me good. He's more interested in promoting himself than my best legal interests. Uh, you know, at some point does, you know, Linwood says, does that headline become crazy man says crazy things? And are we in the media obligated just to cover crazy man says crazy things? Yeah, it'll be great for traffic. People love to share the, oh my God, you got to see what this guy said. You're not going to believe this. But in the end, does it have any consequence? Or at some point, does it become the crazy guy on the street corner who's screaming that his dog is talking to him and the CIA is sending him signals into his teeth fillings and stuff like that? Like Lynn Wood, if I never hear about him again, I'll be a perfectly happy human being for the rest of my days. And yet I have a feeling, Greg, that will not be the case. Jim, uh, radical, absurd grifters on uh, both sides of the political aisle. Seems like we uh, need a bit of a break here. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Tomorrow is going to be our special uh, Reasons We Are Politically Thankful edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Uh, Then on Thursday, we're going to have a best of edition. And uh, it was a really good one. It was from the day after Election Day this year. So enjoy uh, reflecting back on that from a couple of weeks ago. And then on Friday, we're going to have our Black Friday special in which Jim and I come up with gift ideas for various political figures. So a lot of fun the rest of the week. Uh, We look forward to it. Jim, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks very much for being with us today. Uh, Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Very grateful for your very kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Please keep those coming. Uh, Also, remember to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Tuesday, and please join us Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, this is Greg Columbus, and I'm here with Dr. Mike Fulgens. He's the president of Universal Coin and Bullion. Mike was recently named the 2021 Dealer of the Year by the American Numismatic Association. Mike, if people are interested in purchasing gold or silver coins, they're going to have some very basic questions in mind. First of all, they want the best possible deal, but they also, of course, want to know that what they're getting is the genuine article. So what's the best way for anyone listening to ensure that they do make the right purchase in this area? The best thing someone can do to make the right purchase the right quality to make sure it's genuine and to make sure the price is good is develop a relationship with a highly respected dealer. You want a dealer that is respected by his peers and has won awards. We have had our materials named the best gold and silver materials in the industry by the Numismatic Literary Guild. And I would recommend to people that go with someone who price checks with other dealers and has expertise in the area like I do and my company does. Dr. Mike Fulgens is recognized as America's gold expert by the U.S. government. Contact Mike and his team of professionals at Universal Coin and Bullion to own your gold and silver coins now. Call 1-800-UCB-GOLD.